Welcome back to Five Miles Easy. Before we kick off the show, we have a little favour to ask. If you're enjoying listening, please rate and review us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And if you're enjoying watching, then please like, subscribe and share on YouTube as it helps us reach more people. That essentially is my why. You know, I, it brought me closer to my sister, um, put a smile on my mum and dad's face. And that was his last request was, I'd like you to do London Marathon. Apologised and said, look, we're really sorry. We missed this. You got four holes in your heart. I remember saying to the doctors, like, oh, when you fix this, do you think I'll be able to run faster than I have done? I used to say this to Steph, like, you know, we all have 24 hours in our day, like, you know, and it's so true. Like, it's how you prioritise that time. This week, we're going to be joined by a man with over 30 years running experience under his belt. He started running at just 11. He's run a sub 15 minute 5K, a two hour 22 marathon, and perhaps most incredibly, his best performances came after discovering that he had a heart defect, which led to a major heart surgery. Without wanting to spoil too much of the episode, Kevin Quinn really does have just an incredible and such a heartwarming comeback story. Now juggles his training with being a father of three and running his own coaching business, Real Runners, which provides coaching programs to schools as well as one-to-one coaching to athletes of all levels. I'm really excited to chat to Kev and there's actually a story that Kev may not know and it's a another positive thing that came out of his heart surgery, which is... It is a reason that I slid into Joe's DMs. No way. <laughs> Wait, you've got to tell us more about this. Um, and when I say slid into his DMs, this is coming up to eight years ago now. So it was uh, Facebook Messenger. <laughs> um, and um, Kev was about to have his surgery. And I was in charge of the good luck card at the track. So um, at the time, I was a member of South London Harriers. So Tuesday track night. I was getting everyone to sign this good luck card for his operation. Um, And when I got home, I read all the messages in that card and Joe's was one of them. And it really made me laugh. And I'm really trying to, I I really rack my brain as to what it said, but it was something along the lines of like, good luck for your next race or like good luck for a race rather than like good luck for the operation. And it was funnier than that. But I was like, (laughs) oh, this is a reason to message him to say like your message really made me laugh. And that was the first message I ever sent to Joe. Oh my gosh, okay. (laughs) You need to tell Kev that today, that's so cool. Yeah, I will. Um, But yeah, how has your week been? My week has been good. Um, It has, yeah, it's been a good week of running, big week of training actually. Mm. Um, But all fun stuff, how's yours been? You had a race. I did have a race. It was a five mile race. Okay. So five miles, not so easy. Right. Five miles hard. (laughs) Um, Yeah, which is a weird distance, actually. I've never raced five miles before. It was a road race, um, but it was really good, actually. The course was a bit twisty turny, but it was fine. Like, you know, it's a five mile race. I was just doing it to like get a good hard effort in, um, see where I'm at. And I was really happy with how it went. Yeah. Tell us how it went. Uh, Well, I won it, which is obviously a nice tick. But I think for me, um, you know, winning's great. But for me, it was more, I felt very mentally strong during it. And I I didn't really know, because five miles, I didn't really know what the time would mean. But like in terms of the pace, it would 
if I'd like held that pace, it would have like smashed my 10K PB. And so it's only like another mile more of running, which I actually think like on a less twisty course, like I definitely could have held that pace. So for me, I just came away with it like really positive experience so yeah I love how yeah. casual you are about just winning it you know, that, that was great but you know <laughs> because, I was also really enjoyed it <laughs> yeah I know I mean obviously I, I I would not take winning for granted but I just think the journey that I've come on with racing to me like I take way more away mm. from some of the other aspects than just a win because if I yeah. won it but still like I don't know if it wasn't a positive experience it wouldn't yeah so the biggest win is actually the process and your mindset yeah yeah really cool so feeling good about that yeah and then um so for listeners that tuned in I think it was a couple episodes ago now where we spoke about you being chucked out of Clapham Chasers and then rejoining (laughs) (laughs) you have redeemed yourself I have (laughs) redeemed myself so after that whole drama I I then had a real guilty feeling I was like you know what maybe I deserve to be kicked out maybe I don't do enough for the club and I hold my hands up to say I have not really participated to the club in at least a couple of years I mean obviously I don't do the sessions because I've got a coach and I have my own plan which I think is acceptable but I also have not really contributed in any other way so I suddenly felt really guilty about this and was like you know what the social run goes from um, the starting point is is literally about two minutes from my house. So I really have no excuse. It's on a Monday night. And apart from the fact that, you know, it's dark and cold. But everyone gets out there in the dark and cold. So I can do it too. And I put my hand up and I led one of the groups for the social run. So I have to say I felt a lot better about myself and also a bit less scared about going to the Christmas party because (laughs) (laughs) at least the people who went to the social run will now know that I'm a member and will hopefully not boo me. So it was kind of a dual purpose. Um, And also, of course, just a nice thing to do and speak to some people, not that I really knew that many people there because I haven't been for ages. But Yeah, I always um, think... Things like the social runs are always just such a good way to meet new people. Mm. And and I have to say, so that was the first run I ever did when I moved to London. Ah. And that was basically how I got into running was I turned up at that social run. So yeah, I've come full circle. Oh, I love that. And then on the subject of Christmas parties, we've got a few sort of Christmas events coming up and I'm sure a lot of listeners do as well. And I guess one of the things that we have to think about during this time is like, how do we, how do we juggle it all, like getting our training in, but actually you want to commit to some of these fun events because it's important to do that as well. And it's, and it's exciting, but what do you do when, how do you plan ahead when you might have like a hard session the day after one of these? Mm. It is a, it's a tricky time of year, isn't it? And I have to, I have to admit, I feel like this week, I feel like I've overcommitted myself. Yeah. <laughs> I've overcommitted like myself socially. And um, just in terms of my, I, every day I've got like some event on. And I feel like for the last kind of seven days, I haven't had a run where I'm like, right, I literally have to leave right now. And I have exactly 70 minutes to fit in my 70 minute run, which doesn't <laughs> yeah. factor in stopping at traffic lights. So I've had quite a few where I've had to kind of tempo the last <laughs> the last mile, <laughs> including my cool down the other day, which was so grim. Oh. And I got back from this hard session and my I basically I run back from the park as my cool down, which is mostly uphill. 
And I had to really put the gas on for the last bit, which was so hard. And I walked through the door at, it was like two minutes to the hour and my call was in two minutes. Very impressive. You know what the great thing about being a pro runner is, and I couldn't do this when I was a lawyer, it's kind of acceptable to turn up to your Zoom meeting sweaty. Yeah, and it's your like, work you know attire. What? I'm sorry, I just finished a session. This is what I wear to work. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> this is my suit. <laughs> but yeah, I think in terms of tips, honestly, it's like it's realizing it's only it's only a small period of time. Yeah. And it might not be your normal schedule. And I think that's kind of all right. Yeah. I think it's being all right with it might just be a little bit less training or it might be a bit disruptive, but it's not going to make that big a difference to your overall plan. Yeah, and I sometimes think, you know, it's almost worth it sometimes having to rush some runs and like cramming things in because it is fun. Yeah, Like Christmas is a fun time and I'd rather be able to do those things and try and fit in the runs with it than just be able to have the freedom of running and then say no to everything exactly otherwise you start to resent it yeah exactly so but how is your christmas schedule looking are you um yeah i mean this week is i guess similar to you there's just something every day um and then the weekend's coming up it is similar but like i said it's it's gonna be fun Yeah. yeah yeah and on that note should we crack on with the show let's do it Thanks for joining me, Rose Harvey, and me, Steph McCall, for 5 Miles Easy, the podcast where we go behind the scenes on the highs, lows, and learnings of our running journeys, and bring you conversations to inspire, motivate, and get you one step closer to your running goals. So let's lace up for 5 Miles Easy. Thanks so much, Kev, for coming on 5 Miles Easy. We can't wait to dig into everything about your running journey. But first question that we ask all our guests is, what is your why when it comes to running? Oh, um, I guess I've got tons of different whys. But um, I think, you know, my my number one why is I'm, I'm able to. I'm fortunate to be able to run. So I guess I just remind myself that I'm lucky I've got two arms, two legs. So I can put one foot in front of the other. So, yeah, that is, I guess that's my why, really. <laughs> awesome. And you've been running for many years since you were 11 I think was kind of when you got into running and how did that start how did you get into running when you were 11 yeah I guess like um so it so I found running when I was 11 years old like played football as a kid um but um yeah when I was nine my my younger sister Sally passed away when she was three years old um so it was obviously pretty crap time as a as a nine-year-old um parents were completely broken and um, I remember her anniversary when I was 10 was really sad. It was it, it was awful, parents broken. On her second anniversary, there was a race that was happening on the same day as Lucy's anniversary. Um, so I I participated in this race. It was a London Mini Marathon trials uh, over at Wimbledon Common. And I just thought it'd be something nice for us all to do. So parents were shocked that I wanted to give this race a go. But it was it just took us away from all the rubbish on that particular day, the memories and anyhow I did this race um, and it was the, I think it was the first eight qualified for the London Mini Marathon and uh, and I finished eighth. So I made the team for Merton to run in the London Mini Marathon. Um, so I then had to train. I then had to run a little bit more because I had this, this race coming up. 
the following week, there was a program called The Help Squad on TV, Michael Parkinson and Annabelle Giles. And they were looking for runners who were doing the London Marathon. So as an 11-year-old boy, I wrote into the show and said that I had just qualified for London Mini Marathon. Um, they were looking for runners to raise money for adults and kids with cerebral palsy, which is what my younger sister Sally died of. Um, a week later, they got in touch. They asked me to go onto the show and they followed my journey leading up to London Mini Marathon. And it was lovely. We raised loads of money for kids and adults with cerebral palsy, loads of different institutes. Um, and I guess I've, I guess I just become hooked, you know, kind of that, that essentially is my why, you know, I, it brought me closer to my sister, um, put a smile on my mum and dad's face. Um, so yeah, after that 11 year old boy, I was hooked with, with running. Oh, that's such an amazing story. And I know, you know, so many people, and I'm sure a lot of people listening to this podcast run and kind of sign up, especially for marathons, for charity and for, for a cause. But to do it at such a young age is just amazing. But you also, I mean, you signed up for, for that incredible cause and, and to raise money, but you're also really good. So what did what did your training look like? Because it's not like you just kind of did that race and then, you know, tick the box, raised the money and stopped. You were obviously very naturally talented and went on to yeah. be a very good junior. So kind yeah. of what did your what I don't know, I think, I think like? actually just... That day, I I think I knew that like the top eight qualified for this race, and because it was on her anniversary, I like really dug in deep and you know hurt myself. I remember finishing the race just being in agony. I think I actually cried maybe after the the race. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't know. I didn't really train a great deal. You know, just did a bit of bit of football, bit of rugby, all different sports. Um, but um, I then I guess found an athletics club, started running my athletics club, and. Um, yeah, just, you, you meet loads of friends, don't you? Good social groups. So, um, yeah, I can't, to be honest, I can't remember a lot as a, as a kid, maybe because my, my sister passing away, like I can remember her, but I can't remember a great deal of, of my childhood. Um, just because my parents were, they were fantastic and never neglected us, but it was really sad, you know, losing, losing a child when yeah, three years old. Um, but yeah, I, I guess just like any kid, just went to the track and just got a bit better and yeah, just did a few races. Mm, and always had that amazing focus to keep driving you forwards. Yeah, I think like bereavement, you know, it, it, it can drive you forward. And um, yeah, and just every time it did hurt, I again just thought about how lucky I was to be able to do this. You know, I see my sister for three years of her life struggling to walk talk breathe have have fits often but she was incredibly stubborn and determined and she was a brave little girl so yeah I guess when it does hurt I, I remind myself of that and just keep digging in and push forward and then as you got a bit older you're in some quite impressive training groups and surrounded yourself with very high level athletes the likes of Mo Farah Scott Overall etc so what did running mean to you then like what what got you so involved in sticking at it and being around those sorts of people? Yeah, I think I just, I, I love the sport. I mean, I love running. It's like, it's a terrific sport. I love, I love the times, the stats and, you know, like love watching the major championships. Um, I think, you know, I did a master's at St. Mary's University. So, you know, it's, it's a magnet for running around there. It's, it's, it's a great running community. Um, 
So you just find yourself kind of in that bubble, in that circle. I guess they're just your mates, aren't you? You know, you're just hanging around your mates, you're around your friends and stuff. It was good. Yeah, good laugh, good crack. So, um, yeah, it was, although it was a hobby, um, it was also just something I really liked doing. You, you obviously, you did the mini marathon and then moved up to the full marathon. So was that, was it just something you'd always been aiming for? You know, since you ran that mini marathon, did you always want to run a marathon or what got you into it? Yeah, I think London Marathon was always pretty special to me. Uh, I think, you know, it, I found my running because because of Lucy, but also London Marathon was the, the race that really gave me that drive and to, to, to continue running. Um, so London Marathon 2005, I think it was, I had a friend, Pete Riley, who's a really good runner. He come and stayed with us. He was doing London Marathon. He finished 10th uh, in the race. And after the race, he there was like an after party and he asked if I wanted to go as his plus one. So I went to the after party and it was it was it was good fun. Um and I phoned up my dad and told him how Peter had got on and told him about the the party it was brilliant, you know, seeing all the Kenyans dancing and just just being, you know, different, just having fun, you know. Um, as opposed to just being one hundred percent focused on the goal of running fast. And um, my dad said to me, I'd love you to do London Marathon next year. Um, and I said, like, possibly, you know, I, I doubt it, but maybe maybe next, maybe, maybe in a few years. Anyhow, my dad sadly the next day died of a heart attack. Um, and that was his last request was, I'd like you to do London Marathon. So I had to do it. So following year, 2006, did London Marathon um, and hated it. It was, you know, I, I, we raised loads of money for British Heart Foundation and again, adults and children with cerebral palsy. So that was wonderful. But the actual race, I didn't do the homework. I wasn't prepared for it. I thought it was, you know, 10K times for it be easy. And it was so hard. It was brutal. Um, you really have to respect the distance, don't oh you? God, I definitely didn't respect it, Steph. It was horrible. <laughs> oh. So what? What made you go back and for more? Cause... I think I just had unfinished business over the race. It took me a while to, yeah, kick my demons to the side and my ego was broken. And yeah, so I mean, it did take me a while before I eventually did another one. I think it was maybe nine years uh, before I went back to London. I'd done a few marathons in between. I think like New Forest. I think I'd paced maybe Prague. Um but yeah, I went back to London Marathon in 2015 um, and trained really hard. Had done the homework, was ready for it mm. um, and went there, had a really positive experience, enjoyed it and ran 2.25. You've obviously, you've gone on to run even faster. You've done 2.22 in a marathon. Yeah. But what is super impressive is that happened after quite a major heart surgery. So can you just tell us a bit about that kind of, aspect of your story and and what happened there yeah so it was actually after that race that 225 it was almost immediately after the race I started to get some pains in my chest um I'd be lying in bed and it just felt like someone was sitting on my chest there'd be a couple of times I'd wake up look in the mirror and my lip had dropped um just thinking this is odd this is weird you, you know um there's no way I could have had a stroke and I'd be pushing around my lip, trying to force it back into position. And it would go like later on in the day, it would just move back up. Um, uh, by this time, 
I I had I think my yeah Poppy my daughter was born so had three kids Poppy was six weeks old and thinking back to my dad having a heart attack I thought I better get this checked out I'm sure it's nothing but it might be something so I had a I had an ECG with my with with my doctor and I think they that nothing really flagged up but the pain still kept on happening so cardiac risk and the young they kindly said they would see me they uh did a they did some tests on me like a 12 lead ecg uh i think they did like an exercise test um said they work on a traffic light signal uh, traffic light system where green's normal amber flags something up red you this is bad and they said something had flagged up so they gave me like an amber warning but because i was an athlete and i just run 225 they said, like, your heart is, I'm sure it's absolutely yeah. fine, you know. So I thought, great, it's all in heads. Um, and as I was leaving, a student nurse asked if they could scan my heart and compare it to the general public's. So they were looking at athletes' hearts and general public's hearts, seeing if there was any discrepancy. And um, I was in such a rush, I almost sacked it off because um, Gabby was at home with the three kids and, you know, they were quite young at the time, I think like five through well four two and and a six week old baby um so i phoned gab up and said look i'm gonna be a bit late they want to scan my heart again so a woman took me into the room she she was lovely she was chatting away with me good she was really friendly and then all of a sudden the atmosphere just changed she was doing an echograph and she stopped talking to me and she told me to take a seat in the corner i went in the corner she pressed the button loads of these cardiologists come into the room and the guy that had told me everything was okay he really nice bloke he just apologized and said look we're really sorry we missed this you got four holes in your heart um biggest one is 1.8 centimeters in your upper chamber and we need to operate pretty pretty quickly because it's pretty bad if you want to up your running game with a runner coaching plan you can get two weeks free with the code 5MILES, that's the number five, the word miles, on the Runner Coaching app. What does that mean for us So <laughs> don't yeah. understand how so imagine the like your four chambers of your yeah. heart, your top two chambers, basically you've got a wall there, septal wall, mm-hmm. and mine was non-existent. It was, it, was, it was pretty much gone, so there was a massive crossover of blood flow. Yeah. Um, so... With the clock going into the going into the lung and being broken down, it was bypassing the hole, and then tiny little clots would find its way to to the brain. Mm-hmm. Um, fortunately, because I was because I'd run and I was pretty fit, the other side of the the chamber, uh, sorry, the other the other side of the yeah the the chamber was pushing the clock back. Okay. Um, so you ran a two twenty five marathon with like deoxygenated blood yeah, going around your system. 25% of oxygen every heartbeat my whole wow. life that I never knew about mm. I remember laughing and like no way like, yeah you know, four holes in my heart like you're having a laugh yeah um but obviously it was they showed me the scan and um and then I remember phoning up Gabby and saying Gab look I'm gonna be a little bit later they've just found these this heart defect um and then it was then it kind of hit home how serious it was that I was going to need heart surgery and I had to get this fixed. Um, but as I say, it was a really fortunate find. I'm so grateful they did find it. 
Yeah, and I mean, you bounced back just absolutely amazingly and made such an incredible comeback to go and run, you know, to, to get back to running full stop, but then to go and run even faster than you had before is just, is absolutely yeah. incredible. And I think, you know, a lot of people would, listening to this would be thinking, you know, after a major surgery, there's no way you'd be so scared to go out and run again and push your heart. So did that, how was it getting back after that surgery for you? you know, was it scary or could you like just not wait to start running again? What was it like? I think a bit of both actually. Like I was really nervous, but the doctors had kind of gave me the okay, gave me the nod that I could get back into it. I had a really good group at the time. Actually, Steph like helped me out massively. We had a really good 6am run group yeah. uh, where we used to all meet at 6am. We would run together and I'd miss running with them for so long that I was desperate to get back and we had we had to be so strict with you because you had the heart rate monitor on you were like i'm not allowed to go above like 130 beats per minute and yeah, just always I had check. to hold steph back because you know, like, <laughs> on the front pushing the pace steph we've got to slow down for me um yeah so i would i'd meet them one mile from the end of the run i would drive there like six o'clock in the morning wait for them to get to the point we used to run maybe 10 miles was it like between eight and ten miles and then it was like one mile and then two miles three miles it took a while um but um I was just grateful that I could get back running um mm. and also I felt like I'd been given a second chance you know I was working I had a heart now that was working properly um it was like a legal EPO it definitely <laughs> felt <laughs> like I could run some fast times or quicker than I had done um yeah did your body actually feel different yeah afterwards? yeah yeah almost the, not insane. I mean I felt rough after having the surgery um yeah of course but um yeah like in and also was initially in some like you know some crappy place like dark places um you know my daughter was I think she was maybe three months she no she was six months then and poor Gabby like trying to do everything and I was just you know, I couldn't run. I was walking a little bit and then, mm. yeah, just getting out of breath and getting tired. So it, it took a while to get back. But, you know, once I once I started running, I felt the physiological benefit straight away. Um, you had oxygen going to your muscles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was, yeah, I definitely felt the benefits. When you started on that journey coming back, did you ever imagine that you would, you know, run even faster than you had before? Was there like... Did you set goals straight away or was it just being grateful for running and kind of seeing where it took you? What did that look like? Yeah, I, I think I just wanted to run faster. I remember saying to the doctors like, oh, when you fix this, do you think I'll be able to run faster than I have done? You know, like as an athlete, you <laughs> Probably do, not you the just, normal question. Yeah. Um, so yeah, for me, I was grateful to be back running, but I just wanted to get racing and just, yeah, see what I could run. Um yeah, having this second chance, just wanted to get out there and try and run faster than I had done. And then just for anyone else that maybe has experienced some symptoms or even if they haven't, um, can you just quickly tell us, so cardiac risk in the young, which you mentioned a bit earlier, is where you went to go get the initial scan. Yeah. Um, is that still something that's going on? Is it? Yeah, so cardiac risk in the young, they offer free health screenings for anyone aged between 18 and 35. Mm -hmm. um, so I would say to anyone, regardless if you have any heart issues, it's probably worth just getting checked out. Mm -hmm. You know, for me running 225, there's no way I would have thought that I had four holes in my heart. There's no way I thought that I would have to have heart surgery. But, 
you know, I did. So, and I, you know, I didn't really have symptoms my, my whole life. It was only after that marathon. So, um, so yeah, I'd say anyone aged between 18 and 35, check out Cardiac Risk and the Young. And anyone outside of those, you know, go to your GP, go down, you know, ask to have an ECG, you know, that's what they're there for. Um, don't just assume it's nothing because it might be something and mm-hmm. it could save your life. You've obviously overcome some like major personal barriers in your in your own journey, but you also help other people overcome barriers and get into running and improve their running with your coaching business, Real Runners. Set it up in 2006, actually, whilst I was just finishing off my master's. And actually, initially, we did start working in schools. Um, so it was just to go into school to use positive role models, models um athletes to inspire the kids to you know participate in grassroots athletics the sport was kind of dying out uh, this was before junior park run and so um so that's initially how it started um but then during covid all schools stopped and you know we had to homeschool our kids which was really hard work so stopped working in schools and then started doing a bit of online coaching and just really enjoyed it actually it was great like helping people you know from 5k all the way up to the marathon and yeah during that period it's it's gone nuts like we're coaching loads of people um yes it's it's good fun like I really enjoy it yeah that's awesome what what do you think as a coach what do you see as like the main barriers to people either getting into running or getting past that first bit and sticking to it you know the first bit where it isn't enjoyable it's hard yeah and every run kind of hurts and it's hard to get back out there what what are the, like the main barriers and I guess how do you help people overcome them what what are your top tips I think the biggest barrier is time um mm. you know people have busy lifestyles they might have family and and it's easy to kind of use that as an excuse of I, I haven't got the time so I'm going to park it up I'm not going to do it um but, you know, um, I mean, you used to say this to Steph, like, you know, we all have 24 hours in our day, like, you know, and it's so true. Like, it's how you prioritise that time. So I think a lot of people will use time as an excuse. But, you know, for me, I, I try and get up at maybe half five, six o'clock in the morning, get my run done and then take the kids to school. Fortunately, I, I have a few mornings off where I can take the kids to school and then work and run again later in the evening but I think you know time is is the biggest barrier um so it's kind of planning how you can fit that run or that training in around your busy lifestyle um I mean like now cold weather it's dark I think you know safety is obviously something that you know people might not want to exercise outside because it's dark um so I think it's like trying to look at all these different barriers that we can overcome to make it work for the individual Mm. And what are you, give us some top tips on overcoming those. Yeah, I think like time time is definitely like to have a look at how you can fit that training in. And I think like just make it happen. Like, you know, no excuses. You know, like if if you're going to commit to it, get up early and do your run if you haven't got the time in a day. Um, So I think, you know, in terms of safety, maybe try and find a, a running partner or a buddy you can run join an athletics club where there's other people like-minded people that you can run with um I think sometimes people aim too high initially yeah mm. I want to do a marathon okay that's great but have you run 5k no <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be hard yeah. work then right you know so I think start off small um 
be sensible, be realistic. Um, That's why it's good having a coach though as well, because then you've got someone guiding you along. And I think if you're on your own and you've never done this before, it's almost quite hard to, it's easy to lose the motivation because yeah. if you're trying to train for something, you're like, this is too hard, but actually just slow it down. You've got someone telling you, you know, we're just going to gradually ease into this and build up and then you can tick those small boxes and Absolutely. feel rewarded. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, just having that accountability is obviously really important, but, yeah. you know, someone that's got your back, yeah. um, you know, you know it's, it's easy also to, you know, one, just go out for a, these runs just plodding one foot in front of the other and that's that's great initially but it can it gets to a point where it's boring and you get fed up with it so you know mixing your training up putting a bit of you know light intervals in there a bit of steady bit of tempo work um just to keep it fun keep keep them motivated and then how do people get faster what are the top tips to be a faster runner is there a magic formula that can work for all of us for us to get better yeah i mean yeah god if i had <laughs> I had that answer. I'd be a rich man. Um, I think consistency is the most important thing, right? You know, it's just accept that it's going to be a long process. Enjoy that journey, um, and just you know, gradual increases in your volume, and you know, maybe just the the intensity that you do. But there's no magic formula. The, the, actually, there is hard work and consistency, right? And if you can stick through that through a period of time, your running will improve, providing you don't get hurt or injured. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and just making sure, I think that there's also that easy days in there, that easy training. You see so many people just always redlining it, mm-hmm. especially at the top, right? Mm. You know, I need to, I need to hit it hard. He need to push this every single day and see these guys or girls just digging a hole. And mm. before they know it, they're so far in that hole that, they're just broken it's impossible to get out um so I think consistency and hard work yeah I always I give exactly the same answer when I'm asked like you know what are your top tips for improvement and it feels like a boring answer but it's so true it's just putting in the hard work day after day and not going not necessarily going for like you know smashing a session because guaranteed you won't be able to smash every session that week if you if you absolutely know yourself but it's just stacking stacking the bricks one on top of each other and absolutely building up gradually but I think you kind of see that at obviously the top end but also people getting into running yeah and they're like right every run I'm going to go out and try and you know go around this loop and try and beat my time every time (laughs) and it's like god I would hate running if I had to do that it would be so hard and you'd feel terrible I see at the track with the kids like even Finley he goes to the track with his mates and you know every rep they want to race one another and run faster and um yeah i think it's it's just listening to your body and just accept that you've got to have hard days and you do need a lot of easy days as well to recover yeah Mm. for sure um and then you mentioned real runners formed because you um started working with schools and used um very good young athletes as role models um for these kids why is it so important for you that kids kind of get this extra exposure to activity beyond just normal school PE and why did you use why was your business model to use these like GB or potential GB athletes as the coaches for them yeah I think like to use the 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 coaches Mm. um was they're just you know they're great role models they epitomize like hard work 
sticking with something can succeed in. And, it, you know, for these kids to see, you know, the likes of Jack Rowe, who, who did some stuff for us. And we got some, we got Josh Grace doing some stuff for us. And Joe Whiffle, brilliant athletes. You know, these young kids get to see them racing on TV. And it's really, it's inspiring, right? You know, there's my coach. You know, they were coaching me on a Tuesday and here they are in the European Championships or, you know, hopefully things like the Olympics. So that was the reason why I wanted to use these these coaches within the schools to inspire the kids. But I think, you know, teachers have, you know, they, they're busy with numeracy and literacy and reports and marking. That They teach a PE lesson, which is fantastic. It's great. But they have to cater for obviously a whole class. Whereas if we can do the extracurriculum stuff then you've got like-minded kids that maybe, you know, just they want to get involved in athletics, something a little bit more specific. And, you know, we can help facilitate that and then we can hopefully feed them into the local athletics club system. Um, or things like the London Youth Games, the London Mini Marathon, Junior Park Run. So, yeah, I think that's for us, that's uh, that's the thing, how, helping to feed these kids back into the system, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and they might be triple jumpers or they might be a marathon runner. But, you know, it's just great to see them doing something that they enjoy. And then the community that they develop out, out you know, within that that circle, the friendship groups. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's fantastic. And, you know, we've seen loads of kids go to the English schools, do really well. And it's lovely, really. We've actually gone full circle where we've had some I mean it shows my age now we've had some kids come to the club and now they finished university and now they're doing some coaching work back into school oh, wow. so oh yeah. that's amazing and that's brilliant that's lovely that yeah it just shows like how much that gave to them that experience yeah. as a as a kid of having you know being part of the club and that's awesome to see yeah and your three children are all pretty good at running, aren't they? Yeah, they they are, they are good. I mean, I'm, I'm I reckon I've got maybe 24 months before my eldest starts kicking. Yeah. <laughs> and how is he? 12 now. He's 12. Yeah, he's, wow. he's a fast. Yeah, I mean, they're all they're all pretty quick. Um, yeah, that's so, really But cool. they do loads of other bits and pieces. Um, yeah. Mm. Is that something you've always encouraged them to get into running, or or did it? Yeah. Is it just genes? I think. Oh, I don't know. Um, possibly genes. Um, but I think they see me running, right? You know. So, you, you know, I look at my parents as like role models, and I guess they look at me and they're slightly inspired. Like you know, see dad getting up early in the morning, going out for a run. Um, so they do like their running. Um, but they are really good little football players, and um, they they do a lot of sport. And I'm keen for them to do that rather than their kids, right? You know, they could yeah. happily watch YouTube or some crap on the TV for hours mm-hmm. and hours. So if I can get them out in the garden playing football or come for a little 2K, little trot with me. Um, yeah. I'd it's so nice to, to see. I mean, I, I love watching your Instagram stories where you're just filming them, joining you for like your warm up for your yeah. session or something or your cool down. Oh, it helps it's, me out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like warm, like, warming up and warming down is hard work. You yeah. know, so if I can persuade like Poppy, my youngest, to, <laughs> to come out for a 2K run with me, you know, and she will, she's great. Like she'll tell me about her day and, you know, before you know it, 2K's gone and yeah, it's, then try and persuade the other one to do a warm down with me. Oh, that's so cool. And what a lovely way to like spend time with them as well and yeah. build that relationship. And yeah, I can definitely relate. I feel like on a cool down, sometimes I just drag my dog out with me. <laughs> <laughs> she comes for a laugh just to get me through. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it's, it is great. But like I say, yeah, I, I'm keen for him to do I love him 
you, you know, to do do some running. It's brilliant, but just want them to do do whatever they want. They all mm. play football on a Sunday, which is a nightmare for Gabby and I because we have to almost choose our favourite child. Like, we haven't got a favourite child. <laughs> and fit your own running in. Like, so, where does long run fit in here? Yeah, I mean, that's it. Like, I have to crack her at, like, half five on a Sunday. I have to do, oh. two, you know, especially if you've got, like, I don't a know 20, how you do it. 20 mile run. And yeah. then you finish that and then you go, you have to be a linesman in one of the kids' football matches. And just, oh, oh gosh. God. So anyone listening to this who thinks they don't have time to fit in their run today, <laughs> you're wrong. Yeah. Get out there and <laughs> do it. Just wake up a bit earlier. Yeah. But that kind of goes on to why... So you're mid-40s now? Yeah. <laughs> why are you still committed as ever to keep going? You know, getting up at 5.30 on a Sunday to get your long run in. You still want to... You're aiming for sub 220 marathon like it's incredible but what makes you still want to keep doing this yeah but like i said at the start we're we're, we're able to right you know mm. we are there's a lot of people out there that unfortunately can't do what we can do and i love it i do love it i wouldn't do 20 miles on a sunday if i didn't love it but fortunate enough to be able to do this when all pretty good at it so i just think whilst my body is able i just want to try and pursue it and continue doing it for as long as possible and I still think I can run fast you know yeah. I still want to next year I'm 45 so I'd like to you know see how close I could get to maybe the British record or something like that um so yeah I definitely have aspirations to break in 220 I think I can so we'll see we've got the super shoes now so hopefully they can help <laughs> us out that's so exciting I love that kind of attitude of just gratitude towards running and just the the gratitude that it's something you can do so go and do it yeah I think especially you know especially in winter when it's hard to get out I always try and remind myself I'm just like you're lucky you can do it so yeah, go yeah, and definitely. do it and, and running's exciting in the UK right now like yeah you know it's really exciting like marathon running in particular like seeing what you know the women and the men are doing is yeah, like even for me getting older like I'm inspired by these youngsters running super fast like yourself you know, like both of you guys and, you know, you look at like the results from Valencia at the weekend and seeing what Phil and Mohammed and, you know, people like Emil are doing. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's really exciting, I think, for British athletics. Mm, it's amazing to see what people are achieving. And I think the more people, it seems to be a bit of a snowball effect at the moment. There's a whole jump in both yeah. women and men's times. And yeah. just the more people achieve it, the more kind of possible it seems. And you're like, well, what could I yeah. do? And yeah, it's so inspiring. Like you look at like the women's marathon. I mean, the fact like, you know, you've got so many girls now running like 222, 223. You know, people maybe like 230 now, whereas a few years ago it seemed like, oh, you know, how many people can we get under it? I think that's it now. That's your bare minimum, right? You know, mm. we can go out there, we can do this. Yeah. People believe that they can do that. And the same with the men. Now the fact that we got three guys running, to, well, I think Mo ran it as well. So we've got four guys running 208. Yeah. Hopefully that's just going to push the boundaries. And Yeah. It makes me realize, it makes me kind of wonder like how much is mental Yeah. in the marathon. And it must be quite a big chunk because obviously – you know, there are, it goes through waves of you get people kind of coming up into marathon running who are who are really talented and there are improvements in shoes and everything. But a big chunk of it must be that yeah. mental barrier and seeing other people doing it so you believe you can. Absolutely. Okay, so our final question that we ask all our guests is, what's your high five me moment? 
So the moment that you'd give yourself a high five and you can take it all the way back to when you were a child as well, any moment. Uh, uh, do you know, I, I guess for me, uh, my high five moment would probably be winning the Surrey League cross country yes. after having like, yeah, I think it was like 11 months after having heart surgery, winning Division One Surrey League. That was pretty special. Um, Richmond Park. Richmond Park. I remember yeah, it. That was good. And there were some good athletes there. Yeah. Phil Sessman was second that day. So uh, <laughs> I remember Phil coming up to me and saying, Kev, like, who should I worry about today? And Luke Caldwell was there. And I said, oh, Luke. But secretly, I thought maybe I might have a shout a shot here. Um, so, um, yeah, I think for me, actually, just going through what I'd gone through, being like in a bit of a dark place, you know, 10 months beforehand. And then... 11 months later, mm. coming back and winning the Surrey League, something that I'd been trying to do for 20 years beforehand. Yeah. That for me was definitely like a, a high five moment. Oh, 100%. That was, that was pretty cool. Yeah. So. And I'm sure everyone in that race gave you a massive high oh, five everyone as well. was so, yeah, so lovely. Back. Like, yeah, I mean, I remember, yeah, they were just so, so kind and so happy for me. Um, yeah, that was definitely, definitely. Actually, winning the <laughs> virtual New York Marathon was pretty cool. Oh, wow. yeah. <laughs> that was great because, yeah, I think my name's up there with all the all the great Kenyans and then there's Kev Quinn from Car Shorten. Laps that of Dulwich so Park. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So that was... <laughs> with some virtual high fives there. <laughs> yeah, so definitely. Virtually the best thing I've done. <laughs> Very um, amazing. Cool. Kev, thanks so much oh, for coming pleasure, on the podcast guys. and chatting. It's been, so, it's been amazing to hear about your story and... Wow, what an inspiration. So oh, thank, thank you, you very for much. Sharing no, thanks for having us, guys. Thanks for joining us for Five Miles Easy. See you next time.